0: Might as well start, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. All right, proudly resents. I'm here with Adam Felber, and I'm Adam Spiegelman. we're going to proudly resent Mr. Saturday Night, starting, starting the fun, never fun and not funny. Billy, Billy. Crystal. Now, might...
1: I, I, first of all, thank you for having me here. <laughs> and second of all, it's my backyard.
0: Yeah, so thank you for having
1: me Third here. Third of all, never funny is hard for me because I was a Billy Crystal fan when I was a kid. Oh,
0: I used to think you, I, I thought he walked in water. Yeah. And I don't know why. We should say that right out, right out. But oh the, what I was misquoting was when he, stuttering John from the Howard Stern Show tried to interview him on the Red Carver. remember he used to you're from Long Island, yeah, yeah, so uh, he used to uh, interview people and do these terribly ridiculous interviews, sure, and people just play along, and he'd ask horrible questions right, so instead of playing along, he just said, "This is not fun, this is not funny, this is not fun or funny, and they played that constantly and after that That's right. That was a nail in the coffin for Billy Crystal. That.
1: I love that though? Because he's not wrong, and he's completely wrong. He is, right, but you just why not have a sense of humor? If well, that's what we're. I guess what we're going to explore tonight. And again, I loved him. I thought he was fun. when I was. What a are a some t- of the great things? When I was a tiny, tiny kid, up. I thought that his character in Soap was fascinating.
0: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, he was the the, ventrilo- the gay ventriloquist. No, no, no. You're combining two people. <laughs> <laughs> the gay ventriloquist who can be who thought he can be invisible. No, it's uh, he was gay. His brothers ran trulikus, and his father thought he was invisible. Okay, so he was gay. He was the first gay character, but he was a good
1: character. And then he showed up on uh, Saturday Night Live. Well, and and those characters, and those characters actually kind of thrilled me. Even though
0: looking back, I can't remember why they thrilled me, but they did. I don't know why. It was the greatest moment when he was going to do Fernando. You look marvelous, or Sammy Davis Jr. Is it racist to Sammy Davis Yeah, Jr.? yeah, of course it is. <laughs> well, I don't even know. I mean, it's definitely
1: blackface. Yeah. The impression the de- was good, though. It wasn't, well, he wasn't it being a like generic black man. He was being Sammy Davis Jr. Right, like he He might still get a pass for that. I don't know. The password, I don't think he gets a pass for anything after directing the movies he's directed.
0: But still, Saturday Night Live, the best sketch ever, is the super password with Martin Short and Christopher Guest, uh, Jim Belushi as Captain Kangaroo. I mean, it was so fucking great. That I was mean, a great sketch. And Billy Crystal as, uh, as I as would say, the best Sammy was the short film Jr. they made about synchronized swimming. That, that was, was also great. That was a pretty
1: great one. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, I thought of Billy Crystal as a member of that team. I love that team. And then the next time I saw him, I believe was uh, when Harry met Sally. Uh huh. That's a good movie. Solid movie. It holds Very up. Very solid romantic comedy. Uh, Directed by Rob Reiner, one of his first features after his first feature, I think, after *Spinal Tap*, and written by Nora Ephron, and so it had a good pedigree. It was a good romantic comedy, and Billy Crystal was in it, and he was suddenly the biggest star in the world.
0: I think what you you kind of by saying yeah, it was Rob Reiner and a great writer, Nora Ephron, Billy Crystal was in it. So I think if he doesn't have full control. It works, but once yeah. he gives himself full control, well, that's what happened. That's and then why we we're come here. to Mr. Saturday Night, the first movie he he directed, he co-wrote it. Uh, oh, I think he directed Memory of Me. All right, so this is the I would go see any movie, definitely Billy Crystal. Okay, we go see this movie, and it's, normally a twelve-year-old kid would not want to go see a, a drama about two adults and their dad or something. You know, Alan King was the dad, and uh, I couldn't wait to see it. And if I got the title wrong, that's fine. Write me. Um, yeah. It I, was terrible. I, I, it was indulgent. It was. I think it, I think it followed Mr. Saturday Night. I, I think that no, was his directorial have to debut. Look it up. You're gonna have to look it up. Let me just say, for those TV. of you
1: who don't know, Mr. Saturday Night is a movie where you are watching an aging comedian, um, who whose own unbelievably big ego gets in the way of him achieving what he wants. And that's also the character he plays. <laughs> Hello. Hey! Hey, come on. That's absolutely true, though.
0: Yeah, it's 100% true. And yeah. it was also kind of based on the character he played on Siren Live. Which Buddy is Young Jr.
1: Not it, based on it. It's the same name.
0: Yeah, but it's not the same, same character. To credit to Billy Crystal, this character was heavily flawed. And not, it wasn't like... He it was, it was an old Jewish comedian in New York. He self-sabotages himself all the time.
1: Yeah, that's the idea behind the character. The, one of the main problems is, and we'll go through the movie at, at length, I, I guess, if you're still listening.
0: But Me or the
1: audience? W- both of you. Oh. B- but one of the main problems was is that Billy Crystal believed that he was creating a character that was simultaneously flawed and lovable and funny. Only the flawed part comes across in the movie. And all right, okay, let me just lay it down for everybody who's never seen this movie, and you really should because it's a monument to a towering ego and his attempt to, to make a, a fantastic movie that doesn't really pan out. Um, the idea is that Buddy Young Jr., a character that Billy Crystal had played for years, is an aging, very old comic, and we see his life that led him up to being a 75-year-old failure. Who
0: wears terrible makeup?
1: Who wears terrible makeup? Apparently, he was a successful um, borscht belt comedian going to going into the Catskills and killing them at Grossinger's and places like that and He has a relationship with David Paymer, his brother that is David Paymer, who used to be his co performer is now his manager. And Buddy Young rises to the point where he gets a TV show. He sabotages himself, as he always does, by being mean and insulting people and not listening to people. Well, no, he
0: called his competition gay, right?
1: Yeah, he eventually called his competition Davy Crockett, da- da- Davy Crockett gay. Yeah. Light, light in the moccasins. And so then we end up with this series of like scenes uh, of, a, of a 75-year-old man in the 90s uh, c- combined with flashbacks of how he ruined his career back in the 50s and 60s.
0: Yeah, but all right, so let's talk about the act. Thirty Rock does the smartest thing. There's a the plane going over.
1: Sorry, there's a plane going over. Um Adam decided to tape this in my backyard.
0: Yeah, I don't mind. Plane.
1: Yeah, planes are good. That's Burbank Airport. Oh it is? Yeah. Oh, fancy space. A lot of good flights. They'll stop in about an hour and a half. So if this podcast goes really long
0: <laughs> If you don't <laughs> hear a plane, that means it's late. Exactly. The material is not good. And Thirty Rock, they were smart enough to Hardly ever show material that they did on their fictional show because, unless they were making fun of it or making a point, or it's whatever. very hard to make a make a comedy about a comedy being made. And
1: and everybody's not going to funny. The studio something on the Sunset Strip. The uh, Aaron they short tried thing, it. They tried it was terrible. Yeah, it was he, famously they pretended that a Saturday Night Live type show might open its season with a a song parody of Modern Major General by Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah, yeah,
0: the current stuff like that. Yeah. But that was a huge problem, and then they would sit around on that show, and, and in this movie, too, talk about how important and hilarious their sketches were. Yes. That, and that's how you know, and that's how you know Buddy it's Young Jr. is funny and lovable because people say it. Right. People tell him he's
1: funny and lovable all the time. People laugh at his jokes, and as you know, I'm kind of a veteran joke writer. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't mean to become a joke writer, but over the last decade, I have become a joke writer, and so I sat there watching this with you guys going, like, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. Why? Why? Half his joke? jokes
0: weren't jokes. What makes a joke as opposed to that not being a joke?
1: Well, what makes a joke is a very complicated thing. But, like, if if you're not actually surprising somebody with a reference that matches up to the subject you're talking about, instead you're just sort of insulting someone, uh, it's not a joke. A joke has to surprise you. There were a couple of jokes. Like, he would always insult fat people by saying, you look like New Jersey in pants.
0: Right. Which is a funny joke.
1: That's a funny joke. It's a real joke. Many of the jokes that Buddy Young Jr. makes and everybody laughs at and tells him he's funny are not real
0: jokes. You're not really making fun of Jewish people as, like, like a Myron Cohen would make fun of He just says, like, something insulting about and makes it sound Jewish. Do you know what yes. I mean? Or puts in a but, Jewish word.
1: Um, here's something interesting. And I, and I want to – because this is the most interesting thing about the movie to me, and I want to get this out to everybody. And, and again, I want to underscore with love that I loved Billy Crystal before – I saw things like Mr. Saturday Night. <laughs> before, I But didn't. apparently when this movie came out, Billy Crystal believed that this was going to be his big Oscar bid. This tragic, self-sabotaging old comedian. And he was writing it and directing it and starring in it. And as a result, he ran a very aggressive Oscar campaign. What does that mean? He put a lot of uh, four-year consideration stuff out there. So in the back in the day before we all got screeners mailed to our house, I think he showed up
0: door to door with with <laughs> reel to reel projectors <laughs> and stuff. Well, he would have tons of um, full page ads in the trade. He would
1: so. made it really clear he wanted a nomination for this, uh-huh. and then you watch the movie and the camera just loves him in that the camera never leaves him. In fact, his brother David Paymer—it's a two-hander. It's a two-person story. Right, but. There are scenes that are blocked exclusively so that Billy Crystal would be facing the camera and David Paymer would. Can you talk about that one? The would really be facing away. One? Yeah, and at one point they're in the park, and they sit down on the bench to talk to each other—a park bench to talk to each other. It's a backless park bench with David Paymer
0: facing away from the
1: camera and Billy Crystal
0: facing for t- towards. He it. says, "Let's sit on the bench." So Paymer sits down facing uh, the pond. Yes, and Billy Crystal sits at the end of the bench. So he, Facing the camera, which is facing the pond. Yeah. Yeah. And Paymer has to I, turn around, and you can see, like, a, a lip, maybe, yeah. and a part and of his nose. And he does that
1: in scene after scene. And so I think this was the first hate fuck in the history of Hollywood. Because Billy Crystal runs this aggressive for-your-consideration campaign, and he does not get nominated for anything, let alone Best Actor. But David Paymer gets nominated for Best <laughs> Supporting Actor. Which right, I'm blue. not sure he deserves, although he is quite... Incredibly he's a great good. actor, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. But I I really feel like Hollywood thought like you are stepping out of your lane in a really big way, and so the guy that whose face you wouldn't show throughout the movie is gonna be our nominee.
0: Because they would justify why David Paymer got it, and they would say, Oh, it's for his body of work. Right. The, the Paymer body of work, you know, the, right. the well, love you know, boat appearances. Absolutely. And, yeah, but he was good in it. The makeup oh, he was again absolutely good. was terrible. Was there anyone there who said we got it? When they looked at makeup tests, did anyone – did they do a makeup oh, that's test? A,
1: that's a problem because, they because if uh, as we said, he, Billy Crystal spends half the time as young Billy Crystal, who he's older than, and old <laughs> Billy Crystal, who he's younger than. Yeah, yeah. And neither makeup is convincing, but the old guy makeup is – it, it's it's a disaster because it's both not convincing and it's
0: uh, unnecessarily flattering for a guy who's supposed to be the age he's supposed yeah, yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, I don't know if you watch it, This Is Us. I don't. You watch uh, Mandy Moore. and her Do you watch boyfriend. that and
1: cry a lot? Apparently, everybody watches it and I cries. I watch
0: it from the moment it starts. I'll start crying. And then when they show episodes from next week, I'm crying during the credits. Is it really that good? It's really good. Okay. But Mandy Moore is a good actress, and, uh, and she's good in the role. Sure. But when they play the older Mandy Moore, she has this makeup on, and you're like, are we supposed to... Does she look like Margaret Hamilton from Wizard of Oz? <laughs> yeah, she looks look like many more like jowls. I guess they oh. used to give her jowls. But the other actors are really good that they play it like Well that you know that's the older. thing.
1: I mean, I feel like Billy Crystal probably looked at the prosthetic jowls they gave him and thought, nah, I look too ugly and old. Just give me give me the stuff around uh, the yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, cute makeup. But they yeah. go up their
0: lips and they look like it looks like the old planet of the apes at some yeah, point. The, the lip, yeah.
1: yeah, there's there's it's bad makeup. Yeah.
0: yeah, I I think you could just do a little makeup and let us right d- suspend disbelief. But to
1: but to to get to the the nub of this film, it, it's about a comic who his brother does everything for him. He schleps his clothes, he makes he books the gigs, he brings him women after the show, including the woman he's in love with who ends up being Billy Crystal's wife. Um and the brother wants out and he can never get out and Billy Crystal is never anything. Buddy Young Jr. is never anything but mean to everybody he encounters. And without the cultural context of 1992, and this movie was made, I believe, um, of that we all love Billy Crystal, yeah. if you were to watch it now, you'd go like, there's no reason to like the guy in this movie. He's essentially Thanos. Uh-huh. And, and the fact that he ends up winning makes this movie essentially Avengers Infinity War.
0: Oh, I didn't see it. Is that what Thanos is a reference to? Oh, yeah. Spoilers for everybody. Thanos oh. is the giant world-destroying villain. Oh, come on. I'm just... I was playing along like... By the time people know, hear this, smart. they're, you know... Is there... Have you I, not seen Infinity War yet? I'm not. I'm not... Left the house. Yeah. Thanos Black is Xander the bad guy, the and we're supposed to...
1: No, Nobody's supposed to like him. Ah. And that's how Billy Crystal's character comes across outside of the context of America's sweetheart, Billy Crystal.
0: Another terrible Billy Crystal movie. <laughs> America's really good. Cool. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you a question about your neighborhood. Yeah. Is there a police chasing uh, a, um airplane? Is that what's going on?
1: No, it's just the Burbank Airport. Okay, because I hear the police followed no, by we're, airplanes. We're
0: directly uh,
1: uh, west of the Burbank Airport.
0: All right, so let's talk about some Billy Crystal movies. Okay. He was in the love boat, but Rabbit Test, 1978.
1: That was his first movie. Never seen it. Here it's mildly amusing.
0: I would like to see it, directed by Joan Rivers. Yeah, I remember in the ads, when she came out and said, "I directed a movie about a guy who's pregnant." Yes. Uh, TV show, the movie. Do you know anything about that?
1: A uh, sketch movie, I think.
0: All right, that makes sense. And then he was on soap. And then let's go to something relevant. This is Spinal Tap in '84.
1: Yeah, he well, he was had a very hacky part in Spinal Tap. He played the mime <laughs> when, waiter. When was basically he? his only significant thing was go was telling his fellow mime waiters, uh, "Come on, let's move it. Mime is money."
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. And at the time, we would have thought that was hilarious. I laughed my head off. Yeah, he did nothing wrong. Running Scared in 86. That
1: was a buddy film with somebody, maybe
0: Gregory Hines? Gregory Hines. All right. Uh, Very uh, funny movie, as I remember it from the 80s. Yeah, 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 I agree. Throw Mama from the Train, which is 87, which was a funny movie. Danny DeVito, right? Yeah, great movie. Fantastic. 1988 was a movie called Memories of Me. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I will check to see if he directed. I don't think he
1: directed it. I, I remember reading that, that Mr. Annette was his directorial debut. Right. So you're about to be proven wrong. And everybody gets to hear you searching Wikipedia.
0: And I am proven wrong. Okay. Let's keep Hen- moving. You know who directed it? <coughs> I do not. Take one guess. Wrong. Henry Winkler. Okay. I love uh, Henry Winkler. Yeah. H- Harry Metz- Then Memories of Me was so bad. Yeah. Um. Harry Met Sally, great City movie. Slickers, yeah. which is a great movie. City Slickers? I, I loved it at the time. I would
1: hesitate to watch it again.
0: Yeah. Well, we watched some of uh, City Slickers 2. City Slickers 2 is a problem. So I'll add the picture. Uh, there's some amazing shots we took of um, Mr. Saturday Night and some other bad movies we were watching that night, including City Slickers 2, which Billy Crystal was working out. Okay, this is
1: important to set up. He was at the height of his powers as a bo- bankable box office star, and I guess he worked out a lot and, but a lot given where he Not was. Not like Joe Piscopo. From. No, he didn't Piscopo out, but he did make himself buff enough to feel like he should be filmed in a sexy light. So, the the third or fourth scene of City Slickers Two is a sex scene on their anniversary of, on his 40th birthday, with his wife. And there's just an undue amount of time spent looking at Billy Crystal's naked torso in the firelight.
0: He's sitting. In, in some a ways, chair it's progressive topless. because his
1: wife is pretty much fully clothed for the entire scene. <laughs> no, like I think you guys been, got the scripts mixed up. Might have been contractual, actually. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a little guy porny.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like well, the, the American wants to see this. I think yeah. at one point he thought he was a sex symbol.
1: Yeah, well, and you know what? He's not totally wrong.
0: You think he was? You well, think, don't you think
1: forget they, we grew up in a time when Woody Allen would regularly appear on lists of the sexiest man alive oh, Billy I Crystal thought he was that. a successor to that
0: because yeah it, it was just a, everything he did was hilarious Billy Crystal so yes City Slickers 2 was in 84 The Legend of Curly Gold uh, yeah. and then I think Forget Paris was another one did he direct that
1: yes he did I think he did
0: I will check yeah Forget Paris is another one where he was like a, um, a sex symbol yeah. In his mind. No, he was a
1: leading man. He was a bona fide leading man. And yeah. he didn't Billy give him directly.
0: credit. He did not do it poorly, except when he directed it. Well, why did we need to see him shirtless? And then an, or in City Slickers 2, before his wife comes, she's in the bathroom getting ready. By the way, taking way too long. Like, you know she's going to the bathroom, let's be honest, at that point. I mean, right. if, you're, if you're taking that much long to put I feel on like they had today. a romantic dinner, but they made the poor choice of doing it <laughs> at an Indian restaurant. Yes. See, Why that's just a regular joke. That's, that's, a, that's a regular joke. joke. That's yes. a joke. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Yeah, I wouldn't have oysters at an Indian restaurant. Right. That's right, nah, um, almost a joke. All right. Well, I'll get there. So, but <laughs> she's in the bathroom for the longest time, and he keeps going to the mirror shirtless, trying on different sexy looks. Yes. So like a bow tie.
1: There. He puts on like a Chippendales bow tie. Yeah. Yeah. Why we're diverging from the mission of, of, of describing Mr. Saturday Night Live. I think
0: we're not. I think we're showing a guy with his ego. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he's being enabled to do it, and it's working because right. his movies are making money. Right, although Mr. Saturday
1: Night was a terrible, terrible bomb.
0: Yes. Bomb uh, hugely. Yeah, I have actually, um, if you go to the show notes, which will be com slash Saturday Night, mm-hmm. um, it has the box office numbers in its low. Right. Yeah.
1: But you know what? I, I, I do feel sympathy because any of us, at the age of 40, having become one of the biggest comedy stars in the country, might believe that we are capable of writing and directing a movie that actually is Oscar-worthy. Some people have, though. Exactly. That's why, there's no reason why he shouldn't have believed it. The only problem was that he was just tragically wrong.
0: You know, it's like all his humor has an expiration date. Yeah. If you go on YouTube and watch any of those clips, I mean, your kids might not laugh at all. Your son might be like, "Why are you? That, why is that funny?" The movie,
1: I, I think we, I think we were literally an hour six in when I had, when I had uh, Jeffy pause the movie because I th- felt like I'd been given the first genuine laugh of the movie.
0: What, do you remember what that was?
1: I do not, but it was just it was a slapstick moment that really worked and really resonated. Uh-huh. A couple yeah. of the jokes got me, and I laughed, and yeah. the
0: New Jersey no, it, pants it's maybe not, It's not
1: like the guy is untalented, as I said.
0: Yeah, it just it got it got away from him. Well,
1: that's to to me the best, and I know I've said this to you before, probably on this podcast. To me, the best bad movies are the ones where it's not that it's a completely incompetent bunch of people making a shitty movie because there's millions of those. Mm -hmm. It's when a singular ego creates a a just a tragic misfire,
0: and won't admit it, which is great. It hangs on to it.
1: Hangs on to it. Yeah. Believes while he's making it, it's going to be great. Uh-huh. And all these shots of Billy Crystal mugging and stuff, it's just, oh, we're it's supposed to love him. And we, we and watching it outside the context of America's Sweetheart, you just hate him more every second the camera's on him. And a camera is
0: never off him. Yeah, it's almost like a movie about a soci- socio- sociopath. It is definitely a movie about a sociopath. Yeah.
1: In fact, taken in, in those terms it's, as not a comedy, mm-hmm. it's a fairly compelling narrative. It's not terribly written, no, it's not terribly acted.
0: there's several endings, which I appreciate because okay. you know why does a movie need one ending when you can end four or five different places?
1: Yeah, well, they give him a couple of sad endings it.
0: <laughs> and then I have happy... he
1: redeems himself and ultimately wins, which is again why this is more or less uh Avengers infinity wars,
0: sure, um <laughs> 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 I'm the only. White male who has not seen Affinity uh, Wars. It's good. He starts out the movie. He gets frustrated because he's doing these shitty old age homes, which which is a real thing. They do these matinee performances at old age homes. You, oh, you know this? Yeah, yeah. You know, he used to do. Wendy Liebman used to do them. Oh, really? Yeah. He's, I knew Wendy. Yeah, she's hilarious. Very good comic. There was like actually some like news report about him, and they're like, "There's Wendy Leeman." I was like, "Wow, yeah, she's such a great comic." Anyway, so he Boston starts comic, out. Wendy. Oh yeah. Yeah. He um he starts out doing these things like this is bullshit this is bullshit and he tries to get a bigger career and doesn't and then ends up back there and he's happy. So
1: Right, except he ends up back there in Florida where it's warm among his friends with packed houses yeah, who are yeah. laughing at him as opposed to half empty houses who hate him.
0: Right, which he was trying to get the, chase that dream and he right. realizes his dream was always there. Which would have been a good ending if they did that. What uh, shocks me about that two things is that audience yeah. has heard that joke for 50 years from not only him, but their grandfather, their cousin, their uncle. Well,
1: that's the thing about comedy, and it's kind of—and it's there. And, and people ask why there's no conservative comedy. It's because conservative comedy can't be new. It has to be old comedy done again. How's that? It, because the, the very definition of conservatism is that you want to keep things as they are, and the very definition of comedy is that you're just taking things and framing them in a way that it surprises you, and that's how— a lot of us appreciate comedy. Uh-huh. We're recontextualizing things, and, and thus we get a, a laugh of surprise. But there's another kind of comedy, and it's one that we disregard, I think, at our peril because it's real, which is the I'm going to laugh because this is the moment when I laugh. What do you mean? It's the, it's the comedy of remembering why something's funny and enjoying it again. Uh-huh. And we know what? We all enjoy that kind of comedy, too. None of us are surprised watching Monty and the Python and the Holy Grail anymore. We've all seen it. A thousand times. Right. And when we're old, we're going to be the, the hacky old people coughing and spitting and laughing at Monty Python and the Holy Grail and knowing every line. we're laughing out of the familiarity of how funny that struck us when it surprised us 50 years ago.
0: So that's like college students who love Dane Cook. When they're 80, they're going to watch Dane Cook and they are like, you know what? That was fun. Because I just feel like right. everyone who bought that Dane Cook CD and like four years later, like, I don't get it. Right. And then when they're older, they're like,
1: oh, yeah, that was they, they might return to it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it has to be genuinely funny or it'll just be something that I didn't, I didn't love. Um, Did you go I back to Steve
0: that? Martin's album? Have you listened to that lately?
1: No. I was just like, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, maybe it's, it just didn't work. Well, Steve Martin me.
1: can be excused because he was breaking new ground. And once that ground is broken, it's hard to return to it and think you have to be a real comedy historian to understand why that ground is, why that's new.
0: I remember it was more exciting than anything listening yeah. to that the first time. Back to Mister Saturday Night. The other, I went to one of those old age things that he that he starts performing when I was like twenty five. I went to s- visit my uh, cousin Sylvia and Richard, who owned a cabin. A cabin's a generous word. Cottage in the Catskills. I feel like cottage is a more generous word than cabin. It's. It was like two rooms and a, a shack. Kid- a shack, and there's like a whole r- a circle of shacks, and they're all in the woods. And every weekend, people would stay there all summer. And every weekend, the men would come from work. And they would schmaltz around. And they would go to the Catskills, the great Kutcher Kitchen, all the great resorts. By the time I'm there, 25, they're all gone. And so we go to this show of all these old Jewish performers at like a rec center almost, like or a big room. Yeah. And I, was, I think I was worried about drinking. They're like, Do you want, I was like, I want a drink. They're like, I don't know. Go to, so I went to a machine and bought a Coke. And we sat down on chairs with all these old people. And my cousin Sylvia, I was a researcher at The View at the time. She was telling everyone that I was a Barbara Walters' EP. And she goes, excuse me, I'm going to lie. This is my <laughs> cousin, Adam. He's Barbara Walters' EP. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, Barbara Walters. So anyway, I was sitting in a room filled with Altacacas, AK. we're all in folding chairs. And out comes this comedian. He's about their same age, maybe a little bit younger. And he just tells the greatest... Jewish jokes, like Jewish-style comedy jokes. Again, yeah. probably stolen right, right from a Myron Cohen album. Right, but, sure. But they're the stuff
1: they should have stolen from Mr. Saturday Night.
0: Oh, so great. He says, uh, this is my favorite one, uh, this old ladies at a bus All these stories about old ladies at a bus stop. Right. Old ladies at a bus stop, and she says to the guy standing there, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but are you Jewish? And he says, no, ma'am, I'm not Jewish. Two minutes later, she says, excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you, but are you Jewish? He says, ma'am, I am not Jewish third time she says excuse me are you jewish she says yes she goes funny you don't look jewish <laughs> like, that's such a great joke <laughs> that's and that killed good joke. and it just totally and then another one was a woman's waiting for a bus and she sees an old transfer in the in the puddle and she picks up the bus transfer and the bus comes in the door opens and she hands it to the bus driver and he says ma'am i'm sorry this transfer is a week old and she says you see how long i've been waiting
1: that's ah, a good joke.
0: It's a very good
1: joke. Uh, those are not the jokes that would. I mean, there there, there were like three or four repeated jokes in in Mister Saturday Night. Yeah. Um. One of those was telling a fat man that he looked like New Jersey in pants. Right. The other is telling a joke that he came home the other night to see oh. his best friend in bed with his wife, and he says, "Lenny, I have to do that, but you."
0: It's such an old joke. It's a very it's, old joke. It's a good joke, but it's such an old joke. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he lifted it and made it like his joke, I, it, I felt weird that, one that one was joke. One of the central jokes. joke
1: themes of the movie, yeah, was, that was, so it was weird. embarrassing, yeah.
0: So anyway, this Byron Cohen guy does his act, and then an old Jewish guy comes out and sings old Jewish songs, and every song was a killer because they all, like you said, they knew the songs. And then he brought out his granddaughter, kind of like your daughter, really cute, sang a song. Everyone loved it, and then he finished big with some old I feel standard. like you
1: just want to talk about that instead
0: of Mr. Saturday Night. I would. It yeah, was amazing. It's not really relevant. Well, because that's where he ended up doing, which is what he, he ended said. ended up playing the, old Let's talk on. about Helen Hunt.
1: After David Paymer declares that he's going to retire to Florida, um, Buddy Young Jr., Billy Crystal, is left without, him, without an agent. And he goes into a big agency in New York, and it's run by Jerry Orbach. And Jerry Orbach says... I owe you, you're a legend, I owe you so much. Come, we will do, you'll be, that that, that stuff. And yeah. um, then Jerry Orbach sends Helen Hunt as his junior agent to actually meet with and, and become Billy Crystal's agent.
0: The most realistic part of the film.
1: It's exactly what happens, yeah. still. Yeah, you go out mean. to a great <laughs> meal, and usually they show up in person at the great meal. Yeah, yeah. And then you're, sometimes the guy who... It turns out the bus boy at the meal is stealthily, stealthily the, the, the real agent who's gonna deal with
0: you. Or agent. you're in the conference room and the whole team, quote unquote, is there. So there's like fifty people in the conference room. Right, yeah. And then next time you call like you said, you get the junior agent.
1: I mean I gotta tell you, that's one of the reasons why I recently changed agencies yet again. And one of the reasons why I chose my new agent uh-huh. is because he did not expose me to that level of bullshit. huh. He just we we sat in his office and he said, I would be your agent. I like your I like what you write. And I was—I kept looking behind the curtain for the young guy, uh-huh. and and he wasn't there.
0: Or the team. This the whole team. team. Yeah, the We're team. We're all here. You're yeah, no like, oh, Felders. great, so you can get me movies? Uh, like, you're not a movie guy, though. I was like, this is the first time that I, <laughs> that
1: I actually had a team that wasn't a team. It was just, I, I would be a agent.
0: So, Helen Hunt comes in. They do it at the Friars Club, when they have a, a cameo from uh, Jerry Lewis. And Slappy White. And Slappy White, which is great. And some other older guys that... I didn't know their names but I mean,
1: they were mostly dead by the time to quote another Billy Crystal movie. Uh they were mostly dead by the time they
0: were the time they were on there. So uh, uh Princess
1: Bride, Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal played Magic uh Miracle Max.
0: Another movie apart where he's just like hilarious. Yeah, and it's another Rob Reiner movie. Yes.
1: I mean, it's almost like that guy can direct.
0: <laughs> right. Somehow he gets credit. Right. He should get credit. So anyway, Jerry Lewis is a funny uh, cameo. And then Helen Hunt meets him there and he's shocked and he yells at her Like, how dare you want to be my agent, and you don't know anything about comedy. It was basically, how
1: dare you be born before the comedy I know happened.
0: Right, and right, how dare you be relevant. Yeah, and so she, instead of just saying, ah, fuck that, and writes off the lunch, or goes to have a drink and writes that off, you know, pretends that's the lunch. She
1: watches all the stuff he referenced, then shows up at his apartment and says, I want to represent you, and references all the stuff that he talked about. Yeah, wow. No, no. Th- that's that's the story of the movie. Everybody is great to him. Everybody gives him second chances, third chances, fourth chances, and he's never nice to anybody.
0: That's why I thought the ending was great. One of the en- uh, two of the th- four endings the, were great. the second ending. Yeah, he goes into the audition and he blows the audition because he's pissed off that he's not treated like a star. He thinks he's he not he being given a bigger part. Yeah, uh, Walter Matthau, who obviously is a great actor, gets the part he wants. And he tells him to fuck off. I'll be great, right? And then the brother says, "You tricked me again into helping you, and you fucked everything up." Payment, and, and that should have been the end of the movie for your consideration, David Paymer. Everybody. But then he and they leave the building, and Billy Crystal chases after him, and he tops him with another monologue, which is not as important because you don't the payment monologue being a is important. Bag. Yeah, but you needed that moment for Paymer to say, "You ruined my life. Fuck you."
1: Right, and then and Billy Crystal follows him, does a bigger monologue where he says, "You're just." enjoying my second-hand, you know, you're, yeah. you're my shadow and stuff. But
0: that's bullshit. And David
1: Paymer then has a really nice moment, maybe my favorite moment, where he says, Billy Crystal accuses him of all these things of being like a parasite and too scared. And jealous. And, and jealous and stuff, and Paymer just goes, yeah, but you could have been nicer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Let's give Billy Crystal credit. He probably wrote that line. Right. He really directed that line. True. But in a movie where... The, the protagonist never comes across as, as sympathetic at all. Right. I, you just want to carry David Paymer out on your fucking shoulders.
0: The other part of the ending I loved was Paymer comes and sees him. And apparently, Paymer always wanted to be an artist. And we know this because we see Paymer's character. Paymer's character wanted to be an artist. And we know this because when he sees Billy Crystal's future wife in the audience and he falls in love with her, we also know he's in love with her because he's drawing her a perfect drawing of her. Oh, it's and a that, great sketch. It's a great sketch. He should be on the Titanic. Like, that's how good he is. He yeah. should be a he, yeah, bellman should, on he Titanic. he should be on the Titanic, yeah. He was, it was, it was creepy. So it was but creepy you know that- what?
1: In a very, very significant way, uh-huh. in that movie, he was on the Titanic. Oh, come on. <laughs> come, come on. That on. was a giant failure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that hit an iceberg. Another Jew. Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah, so he's an incredible artist. At the end, he paints a picture and mm-hmm. gives it to Buddy Young Jr., and Buddy Young's really moved by it. Now, I would have been fine if we never saw the painting.
1: I would love if we'd never seen the painting. I love then it could have been like a was. Pulp Fiction kind of thing. What's yeah, the yeah. Of the and or like great moment
0: out. in Cheers where she paints him a picture. Um, Shelley Long paints Ted dancing a picture, and he sees it, and he's like, "Wow!" And we never get to see it. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a great moment. I don't, I don't know that. Moment. So but I, I like the picture that they did show. I was too young. You're dating yourself. <laughs> what is TV? What um, <laughs> would they show the picture and Is the two of them performing as kids? Which, yeah. Like Which they is, did back in the old days. Yeah, so I thought that was sweet.
1: It was very sweet. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't like there was no merit to this movie. It was that this movie was tragically marred by overreaching ambition.
0: And crap. I mean, there was more crap on the scale to make you... Yeah. We, we probably hit the five good moments. Or, yeah, we hit, yeah, we hit
1: all the good moments. And then there's just all these really bad moments where, uh, again, if you don't buy into the idea that this guy is inherently likable because he is played by Billy Crystal, you're watching... A monster get what he deserves for most of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and did he cheat on his wife? Was that alluded to or said at all?
1: Um, I don't think I don't think they don't think did he get did.
0: to there. So I don't think he did. No. I think they would have alluded to.
1: No, he was clearly a philanderer before he met her. Right. And then they have this romantic scene where he lies to her and says that he like he basically doesn't have any time for women.
0: Oh, I don't and remember. then they
1: end up together. But uh, we don't see him philandering. We just know that he doesn't care that much.
0: We know she's a great woman be- and she's love his life because when they're walking by the water, she leaves out a huge burp. Yes.
1: And then he uh, makes a joke about her burp and it, he tells her that she's funny.
0: Oh, yeah. it's So condescending. You're right. You they be give, they when give he her two it. jokes
1: that, that he doesn't laugh at, which, by the way, is very realistic. If you're a co- comedian, you don't always laugh. You just say that's funny.
0: That's true, but it's just kind of like you're funny? Question mark. I didn't realize that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm funny. Yeah, <laughs> give me give me some credit. Uh, I thought yeah, I thought she was a good character. Kind of stood by him. Let's talk about the daughter. He has a daughter who's a drug addict. We Played know she's a drug. By... I- Someone who never worked again.
1: Yeah, somebody who never worked again. And she was um
0: she's a good actress. She's she good.
1: A perfectly good actress. Uh, you know, the we see flashbacks of her back in the late fifties. Where she's a tiny little girl and she's being made fun of by her dad on national TV.
0: Right, he brings her up. That's yeah, the thing, you bring up the kid.
1: Yep, you bring up the kid. Oh, just like you saw in the Catskills. And, um, Classic move. And then you see her later, she's a, she's a, a, a drug addict, or a former drug addict. Who looks amazing, by the way. Who looks amazing. Yeah. And she, her function in the movie is just to tell him, as we've seen a thousand times, that he's a shit who doesn't care and doesn't listen.
0: Uh huh. And then how does he redeem himself like all movie dads do?
1: He shows up on her stoop and gives her a check and then leaves. Yeah. That's it. That's it. After being an absentee father who treats her badly for 40 years, he gives her a check for $13,000, leaves, and that resolves their relationship.
0: That he got from his inheritance. He yep. just gave it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I thought another, a fun, another funny part is showing Helen Hunt all the pictures around his apartment. And she says, "Wow, this picture of you and your daughter on TV. Your daughter looks totally different." He goes, "Oh, that was an actress I hired. My daughter didn't want to do the act anymore." Yeah, yeah, that um, was a good moment. P- perfectly good moment. Yeah, I, liked well,
1: it. I, I mean, if you're listening to this, um, we're naming some really good moments in a movie that, trust me, if you would put it on, would not amuse you.
0: No, it's not. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe are we talking ourselves into the film? I'm not. I'm not. No, no, no. no. We're, just, yeah, we're just trying
1: to find silver linings because back deep in our hearts we both have affection for billy crystal and just regret that he went in this direction
0: did you see him on modern family no it's a funny bit where he uh he's talking about being famous in front of manny and um the other and gloria okay and he's just giving his whole rant because he assumes they know he's billy crystal and they're like uh okay crazy person <laughs> 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 but that's great that's perfect yeah, that's, that's, that's really funny
1: signals a little growth in a different part of his career and
0: yeah i mean what there's some other indulgent billy crystal stuff we watched uh i reviewed uh parental guidance with nico on the show which oh listened wow to. that was we watched that together right did you see that
1: i don't think i saw parental guidance
0: oh my god i you definitely
1: saw forget paris
0: well, tell me about that i've not seen that
1: um it's just bill it's billy crystal plays an nba ref and and he, he, he wanted to be a Woody Allen-type auteur so badly that I believe he borrowed that font. He does do that, and there was there
0: jazz music when you walked through the city?
1: Yeah, yep. and he does ever for Forget Paris, except he's an NBA ref, so he gets to indulge his other passion, Yes, which, by the way, I heartily approve of, which is uh, basketball. And he has cameos from every great basketball player of the mid-'90s that you can imagine as he does this romantic comedy.
0: And is he a funny ref?
1: oh, uh, he's a funny guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't he's know, Billy I, Crystal. I, to, I was so high on him until um, that memories of me. I was like, oh. Cause it, I don't know this movie. This uh, it's so. I, I, I don't want to have to watch it again. But I just remember walking out like, oh, this guy can do wrong. Yeah. He, yeah. And then, so that's why I avoided Ma- Forget Paris and Mrs. Saturday you, Night.
1: Uh, my son was here. I don't know if he have edited it out. But, um what But that moment of can do wrong was me seeing Spaceballs. Although, you know what? Even though I was very, very young, History of the World Part One, I watched and thought, there's some wrong here. Even though my friends loved it, I thought, there's a lot of wrong That's
0: here. That's so funny. I never saw that, but all I heard was how brilliant it was. And when I finally watched it, I was a lot older. I was like,
1: mm. Yeah, there's a lot of wrong there. And, and so, but by the time I saw um, Spaceballs, I remember my, my friend and I walked out just completely disillusioned with Mel Brooks. It w- Even your heroes can completely fuck up.
0: It was such a bad movie. I just remember it was dated as they were making it.
1: Uh, by the way, if that's your flight, you missed it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the podcast of missed flights. I hope you're not listening to this in an airport. <laughs> you're like, oh, is that me? Am uh, yeah. I being chased by the there, cops? It's a 606. Oh, yeah. man, it's a 606. There's a scene where they say, comb the desert. And they show guys combing the, with a giant comb. That was the,
1: almost exactly the point where my son asked if we could stop watching.
0: But then he missed the racist joke following where two black guys are combing it with a giant pick.
1: Oh, yeah, I don't think we got to that. Oh, I'm glad. I think <laughs> you, 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 know, you somehow that. identified the...
0: Uh... That was a moment I was like, he is old and out of, out of, out of it. He's yeah. done. And now yeah. he's a
1: national treasure again.
0: Yeah, he's great. He's hilarious. I don't yeah. know, it just... He needed to stop making movies. Yeah,
1: that's exactly, And he realized that and stopped making movies.
0: Yeah. What Billy Crystal movies should people see?
1: Should we see if you are going to watch a Billy Crystal movie? Uh-huh. Nothing that Billy Crystal was the primary mover behind. You should absolutely see When Harry Met Sally. It's a great movie. Uh-huh. You should, um, I mean, he's a small character in it, but The Princess Bride, same director. Great movie. Uh-huh. Um, that Gregory Hines thing, not bad.
0: I think I saw it with you recently. I have a it bad, in bad while, movie so night. Maybe. Maybe. Running Scared, not We're to be confused with the Paul Walker, Rest in Peace, Running Scared. Right. Yeah. Those are different. They're different. It's not good. significantly different, but No, and that's a pretty good movie.
1: Um but yeah, no, the, the I I think the original City Slickers might be okay. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I remember right, that was good. Yeah. That was the problem with the second one, City Slickers, is that they took everything that was good and original about the first one and just put that aside and just put his ego in front of it. Yeah, because that was when Bruno Kirby refused to be in it.
1: Is it possible to be a comedy star and not become a kind of a monster of some kind that makes terrible movies? But well, who that happens like a, a lot? Who, what funny person this is a good question for everybody. Yeah, yeah. What funny person never became tragically unfunny? Carlin. Ah, uh, then you've
0: never seen Carlin sitcom projects towards the end of his career. I did see that. It was, okay. oh. it was But I figured he was just looking for a job. Yeah, that, that could be it. Uh no, but who didn't? Do, who was still who, who made didn't their make own movies Tragically bad movies. Like, like Harlem, Robin
1: Williams was the funniest man on earth, and then he made some tragically bad movies.
0: Yeah, but again, I think just for money. I think like someone with their ego jumps in, like Harlem Nights, the Eddie Murphy movie. Like he admits now that all these Spike Lee's were making movies, so he's like, well, now I have to make a movie too, and he right. should not have. But um, but there are people I'm trying to think who's really succeeded at making. A movie.
1: Who became an auteur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never made anything embarrassing. I'll tell you this. Uh, Steve Martin very clearly has the movies that he made because he wanted to make them. Uh huh. And they're all they all have merit. And he made all these movies that he made because he likes buying
0: art. Like the Pink Panther. Uh
1: yeah. And like um, you know, cheaper by the dozen or whatever whatever those movies are Father that I've never seen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Two.
1: Um, he made, and those are clearly like I need a Jackson Pollock uh-huh. of movies, and so I feel like Steve Martin has escaped the stink of like his ego got so big that he made something terrible based on his ego, but I can't think of many other people.
0: Yeah, right. There's a distinction between making a shitty movie for the money and just thinking that you're making a great movie and you're not.
1: Right, and you've just your your is inflated to the point where you believe that you can make a great movie when you're just a funny man.
0: I want to remember who to give credit where credit is due, but someone you didn't expect that they they wrote and directed a movie, and you're like, oh, that's actually that's really good.
1: That person doesn't
0: exist. Well, I mean, what about James Franco? Well, Sorry to say his name, but Disaster Artist that was good. It was okay. Yeah, I only
1: feel like the Disaster Artist was okay. I feel like you like it better than me.
0: Well, I like it because of the subject matter, but the subject and that's matter why he likes it. The subject matter was about. Two brothers, two guy, uh, two guys. Yeah,
1: it was a bro movie,
0: uh, and that's what they make. The, you know, they made everything into bro movies. Um, yeah, Green Green Hornet was a bro movie.
1: Yeah, but that was that wasn't an artur piece. I'm trying to think of of who hasn't overreached to the point where they think they're making something fantastic. And ah,
0: let us know who you're yelling at your phone right now. We got to be missing people. We got to yeah, be missing yeah,
1: yeah. beloved comedy icons. We're like you're shocked they made. Well, a Jim movie. Carrey. Absolutely. Yes. Overreach. Okay, I mean he
0: made mo- mo- movies for money, but also the number 23.
1: Number 23 st- sticks out is like Jim Carrey thinks like I'm going to have a dramatic moment where I can get nominated for an Oscar. What about Get Out? Jordan Peele. I think Jordan Peele is too young to pass that judgment yet. Okay. Uh, he made Get Out is a great movie. Uh-huh. And not only that, note Jordan Peele's not in Get Out. Right. This is has nothing to do with his ego. This is this is Jordan Peele, a guy who's an artist who's actually it's still on ascending.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, uh huh. Yes. It is funny to hear interviews with him cause what when comedians get too serious about themselves?
1: Was he really serious about? himself? Yeah, he's
0: very serious about himself. All right. Well, you but know that's what? not. But it's not. He the right made film.
1: he made a a groundbreaking sketch show, yeah, yeah. and then he made Get Out. So. Right. He gets to say anything he wants until he fucks up. We all pretend we never thought he was talented. But right, 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 at the right, moment, right. Get out. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the moment. They, 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 that guy's made no missteps. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, That's really good. So, listen, if you want to hear more fascinating conversations with Adam and I talking about films, you go to proudly resent the best of Adam Felber.
1: Oh, that's right. Is this going to be added to it? or It's going to be. Well, I, I don't know. We'll I certainly don't feel like it should be. <laughs> it was
0: until certain people came out. Yeah, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, yes, this will be on there, um, and there's about like between ten, and fifteen episodes. Yeah, including there's some of Old them are Dogs. really fun. Yeah,
1: like I feel like the one that you recently reissued of me and Rico Galliano and you talking about Rocky Four is a yeah. particularly good one.
0: Uh, that's a great one. That's hilarious. Old Dogs is one. I think the first one. Did we do Wicker Man? We did Wicker Man. Yeah, we? and we did In the Name of the King. Did we? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. We almost watched that the other night. I was really depressed Uh, not to see that one
1: Yeah, I wish we'd seen that instead of Mr. Saturday Night. Night. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's just upsetting.
0: That's a great one. And then Tiptoes. Were you there for Tiptoes? I'm
1: pretty sure I was.
0: Yes, Todd Levin and you?
1: I think it was me and Todd Levin talking about Tiptoes. I'm sorry, you were wrapping up, and now we're just wasting people's time.
0: The police are circling my house now. (laughs) The boredom police. The boredom police. (laughs) The redundant police. They keep circling. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Is that a joke? Yeah, that's right, a joke. That's a real joke. Best of Adam Felber ProudlyResents.com. Best
1: of Adam Spiegelman, all of ProudlyResents.com. Thank resents, you I
0: mean. very much. Thank you. And if you want to listen to Just Interviews, go to Resents Interviews or Just Bad Movie Reviews, go to Bad Movie Reviews. And did you pick a shirt you did not? I didn't pick a shirt yet. I love the Tommy Wiseau
1: one that looks like a 16-bit video game. Not the one that looks like a Nintendo cartridge, but the other one. That one's fantastic.
0: So if you go to proudlyresents.com slash shirts, it's a website of busted tees, and they have great, great t-shirts, a lot of great The shirts. One room of them looks like them.
1: The Room as a 16-bit video game, and it's fantastic.
0: So go to proudlyresents.com slash shirts to buy it, or any shirts at all. Uh, at proudlyresents, my Twitter, com is my email. And uh, that's it. Adam, you got anything to plug? Uh, nothing. Oh, me and Paula Pounce don't have a podcast. You should listen
1: to it. Search her name. When does this start? Well, we had one last summer. We did 10 episodes of Life in the Poundstone Institute. Now we have a new one called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone coming out any day now.
0: When you say day.
1: It, I, I don't think you're going to get this edited in time for it. We'll be out by the time this
0: <laughs> Which is going to happen first? Me having time to edit and post this? Or you guys actually recording it and doing it?
1: it? It's a toss-up.
0: Uh, if this is out before the 9th, is a great show that I'm producing with the hilarious Eddie Pepitone at the Hyperion Theater, Lyric Hyperion Theater here in L.A. It's Eddie Pepitone's one-man show about the apocalypse. It's called In the End of Days. But anyway, that show is 9th and 10th at uh, the Lyric Hyperion Theater, and you can buy tickets at proudlyresents.com slash All All right, thanks a lot. we got to go home. I'm tired.
1: Okay, we're back, and besides being interrupted by planes from the Burbank airport, my son... Baz Felber, Sebastian Baz Felber has arrived, um, and he uh, he's here. Baz, we're doing a. Baz, say hi to everybody.
0: Uh, hi everyone.
1: All right, don't hold it that close to you. You don't need to be that loud. Now, now, Baz, we're doing a bad movie podcast. You have not seen Mister Saturday Night, Night not Mister Saturday Night, but have you seen a bad movie recently? Yes. And what movie is that? Well, you and. You and Joe Fury tried uh-huh. to show me Spaceballs. That is true. Now, me and Joe Fury showed Baz Young Frankenstein about a month ago, and Baz really loved it. And so the next week, we thought, well, we we personally didn't like Spaceballs, but Baz loves Star like Star Wars, and he liked Young Frankenstein. Let's show him Spaceballs. And um, how'd it go, Baz?
0: Um, we stopped. We stopped after thirty minutes.
1: We stopped after thirty minutes because Spaceballs is what. Horrible. It was really stupid. There were there were just not enough good gags. And yeah. And uh, and so uh, the, that's your review of baseball. Anything yeah. else to say about it? The only one we act, the only gag that was actually good was the was the dark dark
0: helmet one where we where um. Rick
1: Moranis' has dark helmet. Yes. yes.
0: Um, where where he said, "I don't need to strap in." Right, and, and then, and then no his head bumped against that, giant. and everyone take a five minute break in the middle of Lightspeed. Yes. And, yeah. That was the only part that was funny.
1: Okay, great. <coughs> well, Baz, thank you very much, Baz Felber, everybody. And apparently, here's another hazard. We now have, we now have Vivian for my five year old daughter. What do you need to tell me, Vivian? Because we can edit this out. Why don't you say it onto the into the microphone? This is Vivian Rose Felber, my I'm gonna qu- tell you who you are and who he is. Who is okay, who are we? <laughs> <laughs> don't be that close. It's really funny, Daddy's name. All right, what are your daddy? What's Daddy's <laughs> name? What are the names? Um, so this guy's name is Adam Daddy. (laughs) Uh huh. And this guy's name is Adam Spiegelman. And that's all the names I have in Baz Pilba. Right. Okay. (laughs) And that's all I have to say. Thanks for identifying everybody. Now, can you close that door as you go back in? Because me and Adam have to finish recording this thing. What do you need? You need a Donald Trump wig. Okay. All right, so both of you take your Donald Trump wig and go inside. Thank you very much. How much of this can you edit out? All right. (laughs) Bye.
0: Uh, Okay. They really do have their own Donald Trump Trump wig. They have a Donald Trump wig, yes. It's funny, when we were kids, we we didn't even have like a Nixon mask. No, no. And they they both do Donald Trump impressions. Oh, you do? This is the world I'm living in. Who has a better impression?
1: Well, Baz really has some of the words. Vivi has some of the attitude. Uh-huh. <laughs> Adam, that,
0: that, we're we're out of time for this interview.